Welcome back, my brethren. This is part two of Your Daily Manna with the topic discussion today again of It's Time. As I stated at the beginning, this is going to be part two. But before we begin, let's begin with a word of prayer. Our most gracious Father in heaven, we have such a privilege and an honor to worship you, to serve a God that is you. We pray that you lead and guide our minds. Send us your Holy Spirit and give us eyes salve to see, but also give us ears to hear. Be with each person now, wherever we may be. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. So now that we are at part two, we left off part one. Just a, a quick recap. We are looking at this from the perspective of being a Seventh-day Adventist. Which is what I am proudly. We're taking a look into asking ourselves questions that are reflective inside to see who are we. And then if I say that I'm an Adventist, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Why am I not a Baptist? Uh, why am I not even a Seventh-day Baptist? Why am I not a Presbyterian? Why am I, why am I not a Catholic? Why, why am I not all these other things? Why am I a Seventh-day Adventist? What makes... The Adventist distinguished to be different from everybody else. We went over some of those differences. But now what we want to do, I know there may be some of you out there that are listening that may have the, the definite blessing to be in the medical field. And if there are any of you that are blessed to be in that, I'm going to be speaking on something kind of in your territory. So pardon me if I, I may get some some small, simple concepts wrong or maybe not as you may have known them to be. But bear with me. Um, I don't believe that I've gotten any of any of it wrong with the research that I've done. But please just bear with me. This is kind of we're going to be starting to branch out with those items that we spoke of last in these in some of the distinguishing areas that differ us from other denominations being the uh ten commandments the three angels message the uh the second coming of christ the sabbath dress reform health reform hell uh our stance on hell death uh the tribulation the mark of the beast and so on uh the health message the uh, dress reform we're going to go through some of those and we're going to kind of expound on them so that it's not just a question to say, okay, we want to interreflect and say, well, why am I different? But let's actually look and grab and get some meat on this. This principle we're going to start deals with the health message. And that question, or the, the question that starts it all out is, what would you say is the substance of all life for us? Now, we're going to turn to a few different Bible verses. We're going to look at what they all say, and we're going to kind of come to a, what a conclusion that we, it would seem that the Bible gives us for what would be the substance of all life. And we're start off. We're going to just start off at the very beginning and kind of go towards uh, through the through the Bible. So we're going to start off on Genesis. We're in Genesis. And we're going to read Genesis chapter nine. So turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter nine. And we're going to read verse, verse chapter, or I'm sorry, we're going to read verse four. So Genesis chapter nine, verse four. 
It says, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Our next scripture will go to, we'll, we'll turn to Leviticus. And we're going to read chapter 17 of Leviticus. And as we read chapter 17, we're going to read verse 11. So it's Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, for I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Now let's turn to Deuteronomy. And we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 12. And we're going to read verse 23. Levit, uh, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 23 says, Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Now we're going to turn to the New Testament. We're going to go to Acts. And we're going to read Acts chapter 20. So Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. If we turn last to Ephesians, we're going to read Ephesians, and we'll stay in chapter 1 of Ephesians. So Ephesians 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, we're going to stop there. There are multiple, multiple more scriptures that are all referring to the same thing. They all show the same thing. What is the substance of all life for us? And that is going to be the blood or blood. Blood is life. The life spoken of, especially in Acts and there in Ephesians references the blood of Christ. His life was given for an atonement for our sins. His life was given for the forgiveness of sins. That's how we get redemption is through his blood, through his life. So life being the substance for blood is the, the substance for life. Blood equals life. You could say, so what things, what, why am I talking about blood? Well, again, we're, we're talking about the health message that we received as Adventists. And I'm not even going to get, again, this is not an exhaustive. This is something just, I don't want to minimize it by saying this is just surface reading, but you, you need to dig a lot deeper to, get, to gain all 
or to get a lot more of the truths and dig them out. But what things affect our blood? What is the, let me ask this question to you. What would you say is the biggest organ that you have in your body? The answer is your skin. Your skin is the biggest organ or the largest organ of the human body. It covers the entire surface. That is the largest organ that you have. Whatever you put onto your skin or whatever your skin gets exposed to, that affects your blood. Whatever you eat or drink, that goes into your body and affects your blood. So the environments that we're around somewhat have a, have an effect on our blood depending on what, you know, that might be. Obviously, the things that come into contact with your skin, if you put lotions and and oils and all those type of things, those those have somewhat of an effect on your blood. The food that you eat, the drink the 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 beverages and things that you drink have an effect on your blood. But let's look at the characteristics and the duties of what blood has. And again, this is not a full list, but some of the basics. One function of the blood is to carry oxygen throughout the body. Another source or another characteristic of blood is to transport blood cells. White cells. It's to transport nutrients. So our blood itself does a lot. It has a lot of things that can affect it. And it goes from head to toe, literally. Our body, blood, blood even is 75% approximately made of water. So what I want to do is, specifically, we're going to go to a couple of uh, scripture texts. But we want to look at the fact that food, drinks, other things that we might put on or be exposed to have a direct effect to blood. Or, if I say it this way, the food, the things you drink, the things you're exposed to affect your life. So if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and we read verse 31. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 and it says in whatsoever you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God we're going to go now to Revelation chapter 14 Revelation chapter 14 we're going to read verse 7 This is part of the three angels message, so we're kind of dipping into this a little bit, but chapter seven, or I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse seven says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that have made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. The first part we want to 
focus on on that verse, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him. First Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, do all to the glory of God. Whatsoever you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do. So that encompasses everything. Everything that you do, you should do to the glory of God. We're told specifically to fear God and to give him glory. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of this. And this is, again, where it takes you studying to show thyself approved unto God. I'm going to rattle off and give you guys some scriptures to look up on your own during your time. That is Exodus 33, 18 and 19. So Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 and 19. Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and 7. John chapter 14, verse 6. And John 11, verse 25. So that's John chapter 14, verse 6. And then John chapter 11, verse 25. For all those that have um, some of the Spirit of Prophecy and, and, and the other books, Faith We Live By, uh, page 84, paragraph 2, I believe it will refer to the same thing. So again, whatever you eat or you drink, we are all to do to the glory of God. Moses, in the time of the Exodus, um, asked God specifically to show him his glory. And God rattled out that I am good, long-suffering. And in just short, God gave him his, showed him his character. So through God's character is the glory of God. Whatever you eat or you drink must rep reproduce God's character in you, which means that it will and shall reproduce or produce life back in your body. Now, if we get back to the body itself, the human body, we already discussed blood. And through the meaning or through the means of blood vessels. Um, that's how the blood is carried through the different arteries and um, the veins through the system. But let's follow this principle. Food will build blood. That blood will build cells. Those cells will build tissue and those tissues will build organs back to the blood that supplies it all with life. So if I eat and drink foods that purposely or specifically will debilitate me and don't produce life, therefore, I'm not going to be giving God glory. And if I can't give God glory, 
through what I'm eating and drinking, then I'm not following the principles he's laid out in scripture. Your brain gets nutrients and it gets its energy by the blood that's supplied through its blood vessels. The blood that's supplied, if it's toxic, if it's debilitated, if my immune system is low, there's, there's all these factors within health that if my body is not optimal, then I cannot sustain optimal life or brain function. If my blood is debilitated, my life is debilitated. I can clearly say without a shadow of a doubt, especially in the time that we live in now, that it is time for health reform. There's too many ideas that go around that it doesn't have anything to do, number one, with my salvation of what I eat or drink. God loves me. I can eat whatever I want. Plus, you know, there's aren't there things in the New Testament says, you know, whatever goes in the mouth is not what defiles a man, but what comes out. People use text to make it say what they want it to say based off how they believe. But God specifically has a plan when it comes to our body and the health that we should have. When he went around healing. He went around making people whole and told them one thing specifically and told them that to sin no more. God does not go around wanting to make a whole bunch of healthy sinners. He wants to restore you to a wholeness, but that you follow after him and that you sin no more so that these things do not continue to happen. I'm going to give you a quick example before we take a quick break, and that's going to be Think of your brain as a hard drive. I know I, I work with a guy who who he builds computers and I built kind of my computer on my own uh, in the past. I know other individuals that I have as friends that, you know, very much. Electronic componentry is something that, you know, is very fascinated by. And even today's today's world, as fast paced as we are, deals a lot with electronics and, and with the components that way. Our phones, take for example, our many computers that we can make phone calls with. Um, but either way, you take your your hard drive and you have software. And anybody that's ever installed a program that they went to the store and bought, I know this is, again, long time, saving is something you downloaded. If, if your hard drive is corrupted, or if your hard drive is debilitated and it doesn't work and function properly, then it doesn't matter the software that you buy. It's not going to install properly or work. The brain representing the hard drive, the software is going to represent your mind. Your mind cannot be clear if your brain is debilitated. If your blood is toxic, your brain is toxic. Therefore, your mind and your thinking cannot be clear, but it is unfortunately toxic. So that's something that it's very need, needed to be understood, especially as the messages we're, we've been given in the health reform is that God loves us. Don't get me wrong. But he expects us 
to follow after his principles. Even when you take a look back in Daniel. Daniel specifically says that he purposed in his heart not to defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. That's not a simple product of saying, well, obviously the king's meat was probably swine, so the Jews couldn't eat swine, so therefore that's why he said that. Let's not be so ignorant, brethren, that God would be so limited to that specifically and that Daniel had that limited understanding. Daniel very much knew diet was a principle that God had a standard for his people. There is one part that I want you to understand. God loves you, but if you simply choose not to reform, unfortunately, when that time comes, he have to destroy you. That's not necessarily the note that I specifically wanted to leave off on, but join us here in just a moment and we will continue. Thank you again for joining us. This is again, part two of it's time on the show, your daily manna. And I am your host, Duran Enriquez. Continuing on, we're going to turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Ezekiel. And we're going to turn to Ezekiel. We're going to read chapter 33 in Ezekiel. So Ezekiel chapter 33. And we're going to read verse 11. And it says, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? The point I want to bring out right here that the Bible clearly shows that it's talking about the death of the wicked, but it specifically talks about, O house of Israel. He's talking to his own people. So therefore, this message goes to God's people. There is wickedness amongst God's people that he wants you and I to turn away from. He wants us to turn from our evil ways and live. Why will we hold on to the evil and die? So all those teachings, all those sayings of we don't have a health reform, we can eat whatever we want. It has no bearing on anything. Then those very faithful preachers, individuals that give sermons, individuals that have discussions with people to bring light to them. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't desire that any should perish, but that all come to repentance, period. God wants us to live. 
we're the ones to make the choice to die. Again, we're referring to just, and this is again, just breaking, just, just on the top of the surface might cut into it a little bit, but it's mainly the surface of this aspect of what separates us from the other churches. Now let's touch briefly on the Sabbath. Again, this is the Holy Sabbath day that we are on by God's grace. He can still continue to use me and, and, Something I, I learned from my brother. Pray for me as I present this information to you. Pray that God puts his words in my mouth. The Sabbath. Sometimes it's just a word that we use so loosely. But it's really just think about it this way. Where, where we should differ on the Sabbath is not just that we keep it, but it's more in how we keep it, that we keep it holy. There's a teaching also within the Sabbath that it goes around that every day is a holy day. Every day we're supposed to worship God. That's incorrect. That is not true. That is a lie. And something it's it's very evident that that lies birth in the heart of Satan because Satan hates the Sabbath. Satan hates anything true. And that is of God. God only made one day holy, and that is the seventh day. We are to worship God seven days a week. But we only are to keep that one day holy as God instructed. Let us turn in our Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58. And when we look in Isaiah chapter 58, we are going to read Isaiah 58. In chapter, thir uh, chapter 58, verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. I'm going to let that sink in. We're going to read it again, and then we're going to break it down. Now that you've had just a few, few moments to just dwell on that. It says, if I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, not that I'm taking anything away from the word. But I'm going to summarize it and paraphrase it up. If you turn your foot away from the Sabbath from doing your own thing that brings you pleasure on his holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, something joyful, something happy, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and you honor him, not doing your own things, the things that you have pleasure in, nor even speaking the, your own words, just gathering together. 
Then verse 14, it says, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. God wants us to view the Sabbath as holy. And the way that we view it as holy is that we keep it that way, but we don't do anything of ourselves that is pleasurable for ourselves or with our own mindset. I'm not going to go and do something that, number one, I can do any of the other six days. But then secondarily, I'm not going to do something that will not honor him or be honorable that it makes me to break the Sabbath. This is, it can be, and that's the thing. It, it can be, and it needs to be something studied in depth by God's people. This again is just simply a, a highlight. It's not an exhaustive. This is all that it means for Sabbath keepers to keep the day holy. I remember because I, I grew up and I didn't grow up at Adventist. I grew up as a Methodist and I went to Sunday school. And, you know, when we got home, we'd go to we'd go to a restaurant. One of the favorite restaurants was Furs. And it's kind of like the the modern day uh, Golden Corral. I don't even remember if they had Golden Corral back then, but it, it was the same thing. It was a buffet. But I remember sometimes just anticipating, man, I can't wait till church is over so we can go to Furs or we can, you know. Granted, the family will go around and watch football games or we go to the park and we just go play. Um, and it was a normal, just regular day. We went to church in the morning, had to make sure you got to Sunday school and then you got the service. But then afterwards, you, there may be a potluck. There may not be just depending, you know. But overall, it was just you went and you did that. And even the conversation at church wasn't anything special. Then you go home. You leave, you go do whatever you want to do. So there was nothing about that day that was holy. Not even the worship inside. Now I'm going to bring up a secondary point. Now this has nothing specifically to do exactly with Sabbath, but it's something very, something I've seen with my own two eyes in various churches that I've attended. So I'm not just speaking about one specific church. But this thing called Facebook. Facebook is going to be something that will go down in history as keeping God's people and their faces out of his Bible, out of his book. Facebook keeps people's faces out of God's book. And unfortunately, it's sad to see that in the church because too many people are checking the feed or checking other people's stories or instant messaging anybody just to find out what's going on. And with that being the case, they're doing that while the church service is happening, whether the pastor, the preacher, whether you have a missionary that came in, whether you have uh, a different speaker, whether it, it could be tithes and offering times, it could be the children. So it doesn't matter. There's no reverence in the sanctuary of God. 
There is no reverence for the Sabbath day. Everything is get what you want, do what you want to do, and it doesn't matter because the day is not holy. And unfortunately, that is even amongst the professed people of God. So other things that I found a problem amongst the professed people of God is how we don't keep the day holy. Again, this is something that is very widely established in other churches, especially on Sunday, going out shopping afterwards, or let's go out to eat. Let's go out to a restaurant. Let's eat on his holy day. Even while in the church or even at home in the car on the way home, let me pull out my phone or my iPod or some game system let me um let me play some video games. Let me watch YouTube or Hulu or or Netflix. Let me get my and, and this is such an oxymoron, but let me get my uh, little bit of a fix on watching The Walking Dead on Sabbath. Let me go and play some sports. Kick the ball around. Let's let's go play shoot some hoops. Let's go throw the football. Those everyday activities are not sanctified to be done on the Sabbath day. We need really need to hone down and look at what is our pleasure because truly whatever we find pleasure in is something that we are not to be doing. So it is past time for us to understand this concept of to keep the day holy. The fourth commandment starts out, remember to keep the seventh day holy. The Sabbath day holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do no work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy maid, manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within, within thy gates. Nobody that comes to visit you, no family, not even your dog or your cat, your camel, your llama. It doesn't matter what you have. If you have a donkey, that donkey, that thing will not keep you from keeping the Sabbath holy by making you do something you shouldn't. Well, I had to go walk my dog at the dog park. And so we went to go do all these other things. I had to go buy him some dog food. No, those are excuses. That is not how we keep the day holy. The last two things that we're going to kind of discuss. Although they all, all these things go hand in hand.
It's time that we keep his day holy. Everything goes hand in hand. I would have us all go through Exodus 20 from 1 through 17 to read the Ten Commandments. But I'm going to let you do that on your own time. We as a church, as a Seventh-day Adventist church, believe that the Ten Commandments is God's law, is immutable law. They are not ten suggestions. They are not a good concept to have. Oh, well, yeah, that kind of gives us a morale to kind of go off of. We believe it to be the absolute law of God. It in itself provides the the character of God expressed in words. We don't just pick out a couple of commandments and say, well, I'll keep these, but I'm not going to keep the rest of them. But I, I am going to pick out at least two of them. If you read commandment number three, and just so you have some context, commandment number three, we'll start. Verse seven of Exodus 20. And it says, thou shalt not take the the Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord thy God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Most people read that and they leave it at that surface level. Just say, okay, well, that means that if I'm cursing and swearing, then I, you know, I'm not supposed to say G and then continue with it. And it's not even that. It gets so much deeper. I'm going to show you a little bit deeper how it goes. Anybody that decides to call or use God's name with anything that lessens his reverence. The reverence that is deemed to him by his title, by his name, breaks that commandment. Anybody that even plays around with his name with such frivolity, that is taking that commandment and breaking it. For you to say Jesus Christ and to be using it in such a informal and just passive way is breaking that commandment. But something more prevalent is all who take his name. All who call themselves Christians but do not live up to the standard of what a true Christian is breaks that commandment. So it's as simple as this. You say that you're a Christian, but you don't live it. You're really a hypocrite. And by being a hypocrite, you're breaking the third commandment. Because you call yourself a Christian, but in reality, you're not. Commandment number seven. And that's going to be Exodus 20. That's going to be verse 14. So seven verses down. 
That one clearly just says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, Christ himself, while he was on earth, expounded on this specific and very point of the commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus says, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've already committed it in your heart or in your mind. Sin does not start with action. Sin starts in the mind. Adultery is committed in your mind. You think the thought before you would do the action. You don't do the action and then therefore think the thought. But most of us, this is where it gets a little deeper for this commandment. All of us that like to watch movies, TV shows, go down the street, because unfortunately you get to see it at your neighborhood Walmart. You can go into a re regular Walmart store just to shop for groceries and be confronted with this very commandment. With the scantily clad nature that women and men now are dressing as. The least amount of clothing that they have appropriated on their bodies. And nowadays. You have little girls all the way to full grown women walking around in their bra and panties. And that's all that they have on for the world to see. So in a man's mind, with men being very visual individuals. The concept, the seed to be planted very easily to commit adultery is there when it comes to the the sex scenes on movies or in TV. Even though they may not be completely graphic, you're not looking at a porno. But why aren't you? Because it's the same thing. The lewdness that is there. And I'm, I'm, I was in the same boat. I watched TV. I watched movies. That had all that in it. And that's what Hollywood has now. The, the main, the main storyline that sex sells because it does. That's why you have all these sexy people doing sexy things because it's what drives a lot of people. But what it does is it gets people to break the seventh commandment in their mind and then some in action. I'm going to leave this to have a part three because as much as I want to get through it all right now, we're approaching our time limit. So I'm going to stop. We're, we're going to come back to this, this point. We're leaving off on adultery. We're going to kind of pick back up and we will kind of summarize and get back to that point too. But I ask and pray that by God's grace, you can join me for part two of it is time. This is your host Durant Enriquez again, praying that by God's grace, we can talk and meet again.